Well, good morning again. So, um, just real quick, my name is my name is Glenn. If you're new to Acts Church, um, I am one of the elders here, and I, I uh, teach and preach from time to time. Um, Pastor David will be back uh, next week, and I also want to say this: if you're new here and you need a Bible, the Bibles that you have in front of you, just take it. Don't need to give anything. We just want you to have the words of life. And, uh, and they're, they're, they're yours to take if you need it. So let's go ahead and uh, let's pray and prepare our hearts. And uh, I'm going to talk about my favorite person this morning. And that is Jesus. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. Lord, bless this time. And Lord, as I, as I stand up here, just all I ask is that you would just... Just use this, this person that you've created to help others for your glory. Lord, I just pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. The first scripture we're going to start off is just going to set um, one piece of, of theology that I want to get um, out there first. And then what we're going to do is we're going to talk about something that I very much enjoy talking about. And, and that is the mic drops of Jesus. If we read closely what he said and did in the Gospels, we're left really with three possible conclusions of who is this Jesus. And one of the conclusions is the only one that makes sense. There is no other person in history like him. John 1, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 actually takes place chronologically before Genesis 1.1. There are two in the beginnings in Scripture. This one is before Genesis 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. The Word is Jesus. Because in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I want you to notice in in these verses that creation was done by the Son. The Father willed it, the Son did it through the power of the Spirit. Jesus is the Creator. Now, you may say, well, that's awfully complicated. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you say, how can that be? Look, and I've said this before. If God doesn't blow our minds, we have a much too small understanding of who God is. I do not want a God that my mind can wrap wrap my head around. Because I want God to blow my mind. And I want to spend eternity learning about Him. 
like an onion, and that's a really big onion. The other thing, too, that we need to understand before we look at Jesus is this world that we live in is under a curse. And we live in a very beautiful part of the world. I know it's raining today, but we got to have this. We want the beautiful evergreen trees. And we live in a really beautiful part of the world. Geologically, climate-wise, we have the ocean, we have the mountains. But I want you to notice that if you look at the world, you must understand it is under a curse. All of the animals groan in their existence, waiting for the day that the children of God are revealed. And one of the things about the curse was that when Adam, when they farmed, the, the, the earth would yield thins and thor, um, thorns and thistles. And it would be hard work just to get food from the ground. I don't know about you, but farming is not easy work, even with advanced technology. So therefore, what did this God of the universe do? He became one of us to reach us on our level. I, I know this. Have you ever seen adults get down on the level of children to make that connection? Or boil something down so that the children can understand? That's how much God came so that we could understand. Right then and there, that's enough just to worship the rest of the hour. And we're celebrating that time of the year. So having said those two things, let's look at the first mic drop. And, and, and here's the thing. The hardest part that I had in preparing this was which mic drops to choose. I'm not even sure how many there are because I keep finding them. And I'm like, wow. And, and here's why this is important to me. We've had 2,000 years of his influence on culture and life. We just sometimes have forgotten that what he said when he said it and what he did when he did it, it was a different world. He changed the world. One of the mic drops, I'm not going to go over it, was in the Roman Empire, children were ignored. Children were pushed aside. And what did Jesus do? Let the little children what? Mic drop, they're important too. And so we're going to focus on four and four of them, and they're each going to be different. And um, I'm going to get a little bit excited. So Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Okay. So the, the paralytic's there, and Jesus, knowing their faith, looks at him and says, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Mic drop, and here's why. We are told to forgive each other, but we do not have the authority 
to wipe out other people's sins. We are told to forgive each other because we have been forgiven. We are creatures. He's the creator. You will be happier in this life if you start embracing the fact that you're not the creator. The the poison of sin is thinking that we are something when we're not. We are the creatures. And I'm good with that. Let God be God and let us be sheep. We'll be much happier. And only it's God who made the universe. And I already said in theology, Jesus did the creating. It's his universe. It's his moral law, which flows from his character, which means theologically all sin is against God because it's a violation of his standards, his righteousness, which we all have broken. So therefore, when Jesus said, be of good cheer, son, your sins are what? Forgiven, he just lowered the biggest mic drop there is and said, I'm God. If you ever want to know in Scripture, if there's a place that says Jesus is God, it's right here. It's all over the place. I'm God, your sins are what? Forgiven. Only God has the authority to forgive sins. We do so, again, I want to make this clear. We do so because we're told to be like our Lord and we forgive based out of the fact that we have been what? Forgiven, which means we're not the judge of the universe to hold something over somebody's head. That's not our place. And not only that, when we do that, we hurt ourselves. Only Jesus is on the mercy seat in that song. Only he has the authority and the jurisdiction. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. Because man, if I had that kind of authority, I can be a jerk. But Jesus isn't. And so, you ready? The Pharisees got the mic drop. They said this at once. At once, some of the scribes said within themselves, within themselves, this man blasphemes. Now, if Jesus wasn't God, they would have been what? Correct. But they don't even know who they're looking at. At this point. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? You're saying I blaspheme, I'm God. And then you know what he does? He does the second mic drop. Okay, fine. But knowing their thoughts said, why do you think evil thoughts in your heart? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk. But so that you may know the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, arise, take your bed, and go home. And the guy got up and went home. Boom! Did two mic drops there. That one's a freebie at the very end, because I only had four. Your sins are forgiven. Oh, really? You don't think I have that authority? You don't know who you're looking at. You don't even know your own scriptures. Oh, and by the way, which is easier for me to say to you? Son, your sins are forgiven. By the way, you ready? You ready? It is easier to say, arise and walk. Because for Jesus to say, son, your sins are forgiven, meant he had to go to the cross. Boom. Just made that connection. Wow. 
Next. Matthew 25, 34 to 40. And I will probably not preach as long as David does. Um, and if I do that, please you know, forgive me because I, I just got through the, this one quicker. But let's talk about Matthew 25, 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And then he said this. Now think about it. Think about what has to be true for this to be a truthful statement. When you did the, when, when did we see you as a stranger and take you in and naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the one, to one of the least, least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Think about it. You serving, brothers and sisters, serving Christ. Not only that, he knows about it. I have a couple of notes. He knows every instance of service that you do for your brothers and sisters. Everything. Go into your prayer rooms by yourself. Get on your knees if you can. And pray. He sees it. No one else needs to. He does. Before church is over, if you walk up to somebody and say, you look like you need a cup of coffee or you need a hug. Do you understand what's going on there? We're serving each other. When we serve each other out of love, we're serving our Lord because our fellow creatures are made in His image and likeness therefore in the church we've had the problem of trying to do things so that we so people could be recognized wrong motivation fame is actually not when a person wants to be famous that's actually not a good thing because what they're really saying is i want to be above everybody else with compare and contrast just do it and don't worry about it because the lord what Seize it. Say, look, in American Christianity, we, we, we relegated for a long time that the average person in the, in the church sat in the church and just a few did their thing. And like right now, I'm talking about Scripture. But here's the thing you need to understand. All of us are called to serve. I wouldn't be surprised and I know some of you that when you're at the Bama seat of Christ, he's going to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I saw all those things. We don't need to, you don't need to be seen by anybody he sees. And if you want to be seen by people, that's the wrong what? Motivation. He sees it. Now think, think about this. You mean he sees me when I'm doing this very small act 
Yes. And by the way, I want you to notice something about these acts. Nowhere does it say, I saved a nation from invasion. Nowhere does it say, I saved a nation with this great speech. These are all considerable, relatively small day-to-day things that they're doing. And to the King of glory, those things matter. You wanna, if you want to serve the Lord, you can do so every single second of your life. And by the way, you don't have to look hard for opportunities because the last time I checked, we live in a pretty needy world with a lot of needy creatures. Here's a cup of water. Hey, you need a hug. Hey, text message, I'm thinking about you today. Hey, you had your surgery, I'm thinking about you. Hey, can I come over? And the fact that he sees them all, only God knows everything. Isn't it wonderful too that that the king of the universe has asked us to be partners with him? There's a couple of you in here. I won't say your names because I don't want to embarrass you. But for me personally, it it breaks my heart when you say sometimes that I have nothing to offer when you don't realize how many times you've encouraged me to keep in the faith throughout the years. And you think you have nothing. You ready? There was a church that was shrinking. It was full of people that were older and they were concerned that their church wasn't going to make it and Somebody, they they were basically told this story. You want to grow your church? They go, yes. Every person that comes in like they're royalty. Value people. Because they're made in the image and likeness of God. Be real. You know what happened in the church? It exploded that are needy. You bet. We all are in this room. He knows everything. Folks, do not discount the small things. Do we not know that it's in the small things that people are moved, not the big things? Our history books don't tell the whole story. Yeah, we'll celebrate a Lincoln and we should. But were there a lot of other people that were part of those events that are unknown, unnamed in our history books? But it still happened. They were still there. You are not insignificant. To think you are insignificant is to say that a person made in the image and likeness of God is insignificant. I don't think we want to say that to God. I don't. We serve because we love Jesus. We serve because we love Him. Why do we love Him? Because He's done everything for us. That's mic drop number two. 
Folks, do you, do, let me recap real quick. Your sins are forgiven. Oh, I have the authority to do so. And I have the authority to heal you. And I'm going to notice everything done that people will do to other believers throughout all of time. And I'm going to take it as service unto me and I'm going to reward it, which means I know everything. What kind of a person talks like this? Shall we move on to mic drop number... Well, we're probably on mic drop number six right now. But in my notes, it's three. Luke 21, verses five through nine. Then as some spoke of the temple... Okay, let me get this. Here, let me, re, let me read and give you the context, okay? Then as some spoke of the temple, the disciples, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and, and donations, he said, these things which you see... The days will come in which not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Okay, let me give you the scene. He's going to be crucified in a few days and they're walking out of Jerusalem and the disciples were like, Lord, do you see the temple? Look how beautiful it is. Look how big it is. And Jesus goes, um, you, yeah, you look at those things. Um, every stone's going to be thrown down. It's going to be laid waste. So he did a mic drop on the disciples and walked away. And they're all doing what? You talk to him. No, you talk to him. No, you go ask him. No, I'm not going to. Peter, you talk to him. And so they walk outside the city to the, to the Mount of Olives. And they said to him, teacher, when will these things be? And, and part of the question is like, is it going to happen in our lifetime? Because if something happens to the temple where it's completely laid waste, do you guys understand that's a bad day? It's a bad day. You don't want to be there when that happens. And so like, teacher, when will these things be? And what will be this? What sign will there be when these things are about to take place? Think about what they're asking. When's it going to happen? What are the signs? Because we don't want to be here. <laughs> They're like, uh, we don't want to be in Jerusalem when this happens. What's, can you give us the precursor so we know when this happens we can split? It's hilarious. But wouldn't you and I ask the same question? I mean, if, if somebody walked up to me and says, yeah, Vancouver's going to be destroyed. I tell you the truth, every building in Vancouver was laid waste. And that person walks away, and I think that they have some authority. I'm going to ask them, when? <laughs> Why? I don't want to be here. So they asked him. And this is what he said. I love it. Now, he said this. Teacher, when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things take place? And he said, take heed that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am he. And the time is drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. Now he's talking about the end of history. You read Luke 21, Matthew 24. He's talking about the end of the, the age, which I would argue that we're in. What did he just say? The number one sign is do not what? 
be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he. Let's stop for a second. He just said that he will be the most copied religious figure in history. There are going to be a lot of people saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ, I'm new religions, all. I'm, I'm it, I'm the truth, and this and that. What kind of a person says, I'm going to be copied this much? And by the way, when he said it, he had 11 true disciples, because Judas was not one, there for the wrong reasons, and he had some faithful women. But outside of that, he's in the boondocks of the Roman Empire. And he just said, I'm going to be the religious figure at the end of the age. A few years ago, I was assigned to teach Advanced Placement World History. And as I was teaching, when I grew up in school, it was B.C. and A.D. Before Christ and Anno Domini. It's what it was when I went to school. When I became a teacher of history, I was told, you can't say that anymore. You must say B.C.E. before Common Era and Common Era. true because they don't want the religious connotations in the dating system I laughed my head off because year zero is still Jesus <laughs> where you put zero means everything and zero is still Jesus so if you say BCE year zero is still Christ CE starts after Christ he's still there and everybody on this planet knows it's 2023. <laughs> everybody on this planet knows it's 2023. Even those cultures that have their own calendars have to abide by the 2023 calendar if they want to do business with anybody. Which means everybody on the planet is affected by Jesus because it's 2023. Why is it 2023? Because he was born in year zero. <laughs> Folks, do you want to know when the Romans had year zero? 753, the year Rome was founded. To the Romans... 753 B.C. was year zero. So Jesus showed up in 754. And when he stood before Pilate, and Pilate says, Who are you? I'm the guy that's going to replace your dating system. <laughs> it's just hilarious. He <laughs> didn't see it quite like that. But it's hilarious. Who is this man? Who forgives sins. Who says, I'm God. And then says, oh, and I have the authority. Watch this. Rise up and walk. Do you think that took a lot of energy from Jesus to do that? It's called take a few breaths and breathe and speak. To forgive the sins required. Well, that was a little tougher. That was being crucified. So when he said, which is easier to say, he wasn't talking about the amount of words taken to say it. He was talking about what it would take to say you're forgiven. Mm, that's good. 
so good. And then he comes out and says, oh, I'm going to know every good act done with the right motives to my children throughout history. And I'm going to say they were done to me. And by the way, you ready for that? To serve anybody else other than God would be, not to serve, sorry, wrong way to see that. To put anybody else at the high pedestal instead of Jesus would be idolatry. But what did Jesus just say? It's all done unto me. Why? Because he is God. Folks, <laughs> they're all over the place. Who is he? All right. Oh, and by the way, how did we get to year zero? Because his followers, filled with the Holy Spirit, proclaimed his name, died martyrs' death loved each other and throughout the ages the gospel has gone forth to all parts of this earth. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a lot of power to have that much done through people that need a lot of help. And we're doing it now. John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Because I am God. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may also be. Your existence on this earth is under a curse, is temporary. Our destinies, if we're in Christ, and, and this is where I'm going to get a little preachy, okay? Salvation is not just the forgiveness of sin. It's also, it's the forgiveness of sin, but it's also being changed. We're being changed and transformed so that we're ready to inhabit the kingdom, which is good and pure and right, full of shalom and bliss and contentment. We can dream and still our dreams are going to fall short of what God has prepared for us. We are going to see each other in the kingdom and we're going to look at each other and go, did you think it would be this good? No. On Friday night, something hit me and I'm going to change the way I do this. I'm no longer going to Say how old I am. It's a really new, new thought for me. I'm not going to say I'm 52 years old. 
I'm 52 years young because I'm going to exist forever. You're all young. All of you. Because in the grand scheme of things, our life here is vapor compared to eternity. We're going to live forever. And not only that, most of our existence is going to be without sinful bodies. Mm. The creaks, the cranks, the crones, and the temptation. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Notice the mic drop. I'm going away, but I'm going to what? I shall return. The return of the king. And when he does, all things will be made right. Now, I want to say this. I find something very interesting. I find that we often complain a lot in our society. Would you agree with that? Okay, let's, let's think for a second. Let's, let's just think and make a quick observation. When we complain, we're actually revealing something of our hearts. Not that we're complainers. Well, we may be, but follow me on this. We're actually revealing in our hearts that we know we were made for something better. And we don't like what we have because we know we were made for something better. And we know it intrinsically so we complain. There's crime in this world because we know it shouldn't be. Folks, there's been crime since the fall. If if evolution was true, what exists right now would be what there was and we wouldn't question it. The way it is. But we know, it's, we know the world is under a curse. We know there's crime. When people are mean and hurtful and nasty and wars, we go, there's a better way. And we what? We complain. Why is the world so bad? Why are teenagers so weird? Why are adults? Why? But doesn't it make sense? What, we really, what we're really saying is we know something's better. Look. If I had no eyes, would I ever know what light was? No. Because light only makes sense as it dispels the darkness. If I had no eyes, and none of my fellow creatures did, light would never register to me. The fact that I have dreams about paradise and my fellow creatures have created so many isms, capitalism, communism, blahism, all this ism, to make a better world, which we still have not. How are we doing? How are we doing? But the mere fact that we try and we feel the need even, look, what's the first words of the Constitution? We the people in order to form a more what? Perfect union, which means it wasn't perfect. It's in, it's in our document. This longing for a better world. It betrays us. Now, listen. What if I told you that there's coming a day when a righteous king who is good and pure, who is God, all-knowing, will put all things right and this world will no longer be under a curse and it will be ruled by righteousness. But 
You have to ask for forgiveness and be willing to be transformed to be part of it. know if I want to uh, submit to somebody else than myself. Then stop complaining about the world that is because it's the world that sin creates, that sin helps provides. Or are you willing to bend your knee and say, I need forgiveness. I'm part of the problem. Change me so I become a creature that no longer does these things and make me ready to inhabit that perfect kingdom. I have good news for you. Your sins can be forgiven too. We can't complain on one hand and then get mad at God when He steps in and makes it right. By the way, when God does make it right, that's the book of Revelation which the name of the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ when the king returns. Look, tomorrow morning is Monday. <laughs> Do you know work's under a curse? Thank you, Adam. Work's under a curse. So what are millions of Americans going to do tomorrow? We're going to get up and go to work and we're going to complain that is what? We're going to be Garfield. Monday. I mean, what my students walk in and I'd be like, "Good morning. Why? You have a good weekend." You know, I mean, it's going to be hilarious. Little do they know that their teacher did it 2 hours before when he showed up, you know. Even work. <laughs> Here's the point. He's going to return and set all things right. And he's changing us to be creatures of love. Think, think about this. How many would love this? I want to be the person that... Let me, let me pull up a... Let me, hang on, hang on, hang on. Here it is. I want to live in a kingdom that does not have the following... Crime, pain, loss, isolation, rejection, not being valued, theory, fear, worry, regret, pride, injustice, cruelty, selfishness, not being content, strife, corruption, boredom of drudgery. How many would love to live in a kingdom where none of those things are there? What? C.S. Lewis, sorry, it's Acts Church. C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. One of my favorite stories in the Chronicles of Narnia comes from the silver chair. And in that book, there's a character called Puddleglum. He's a marsh wiggle. Not a very pleasant person, more melancholy. Sort of woke up on the wrong side of the universe six out of seven days. And the children of Pugum end up going below the surface to, to a, a, a dark kingdom. And they're the, the, the leader of that kingdom enchants them. En enchants them. And as she's trying to enchant them, she keeps saying things like this. Oh, there's no overland. You've never been on 
there's no overland. My kingdom is the only kingdom there is, which is this dark underground place. There's no sun. You imagine that. You play child games, you silly. There's no Aslan. There's no Narnia. You all made it up. And then Potoglum walked over and put his foot in the fire, burned himself, woke up out of the enchantment and says, Your Majesty, if your dark kingdom is all there is, then I will hold on to my beliefs in Aslan and Narnia and the sun. Oh, and by the way, I've been there. You're telling me lies. A kingdom is coming with a king and he shall set all things what? I look forward to the day when I breathe sin-free air and I am a content creature perfectly. I'm working on it now. Work in progress. But I'm a content creature who no longer worries about anything. Who doesn't see work as drudgery. Who doesn't wake up and creak and croak. Who has hair? <laughs> Who is this man that said these few mic drops? Are there more? Oh yeah. We have three options. And only three. You can't say he's a good teacher. And again, I'm quoting Lewis. You can't say he's a good teacher. And I'll tell you why. A good teacher wouldn't say these things unless they were true. If I tell my students the world is flat, I don't care what you say. I'm not a good teacher. Especially if I know they're not what? True. You're left with three options. When you look at the drops and you look at what he said and what he did and by the way I will tell you this the biggest revolutionary that ever existed is Jesus Christ boy did he turn this world upside down in fact goodbye to the Roman Empire now it's not perfect yet because we still have sinful bodies and sinful hearts but when he comes back he's going to the job does that make sense I'm sorry mm-hmm you have three options Logically, Number one, you could say he's a liar. But when you look at his life and then you realize he died on a cross for the things he said, and that's a proven historical fact. He doesn't come across that way, does he? In fact, what he says is downright spot on true about who we are. He rings true because he is true. And he died, and he called it, and he did it, and everything he said that would happen has what? Is what? 
happening? Second option, you could say he's a lunatic. But he doesn't come across that way. In fact, to be honest with you, he comes across as the only sane person. Your third option is that he is Lord. He is who he said he is. He is God. He is the creator. He is the king. He is the judge. And you want to be in his kingdom because it will be so much better than this place. And that, I, can't, I don't even have the language to describe it. So I ask you this. To the believers in here, to myself, read the Gospels. If there's in our lives, confess and repent. Pray this very, very honest prayer. Holy Spirit, is there something inside of me that's keeping me from doing, from following you, from following you better? Start doing the small things. Get rid of the, the, the lies that you're not significant. Start being the hands and feet. Pray. Pray. If you're a non-believer, all you've got to do is just humble yourself and ask for His forgiveness. John 6.37 Everyone that the Father calls will come to Jesus. Everyone. And whoever comes to Jesus, whoever's called by the Father will come. And Jesus said this, I will in no way cast out. He added double emphasis. If you think that you've done something that Jesus can't forgive, the mere fact that you get on your knees and cry out to them means you haven't. Because you wouldn't even want to go to Him unless the Father would you. If you've accepted Christ years ago and you've just made a mess of it, are you going to be pushed by your past or pulled by your future? Confess it and move on and start being the hands and feet of Jesus. Because you are not insignificant. study. There are children down below. I know that's hard. It's out of my comfort zone. But every time and water given. Love on each other. Our King purchased our salvation, which is not only the forgiveness of sin, but it's the fact that we're going to be given new bodies. We're a new creature and we will inhabit the kingdom of God, which will be good, right, and pure as we were originally intended. Paradise was lost in Genesis, but paradise is regained in Jesus. Amen. And I'm not 52 years old. I'm 52 years young. And so, well, you. If you want to accept Christ, today is a good day. In fact, I normally don't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Let's all bow our heads. 
Is there anybody here that would like to say, I need Jesus? Just slip up your hand. And let me ask this, is there anybody who has never accepted Christ that needs to accept Him for the first time? Please raise your hand. Let's pray.